With a licensed veterinary technician, there's more leverage for a veterinarian to utilize them to do different tasks um, that are more appropriate for the scope of practice. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a show that features open and honest conversations with veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein, Media Coordinator for TVMA. What if I told you that a staff member in your veterinary practice has the ability to help increase revenue, reduce burnout, save you money, and enhance well-being? Maybe you're thinking that's definitely a unicorn. Well, it's a real person, and that individual is a licensed veterinary technician, LVT for short. In this episode, David Sessom, an LVT, explains why veterinarians should utilize LVTs in their practices and outlines the many benefits of doing so. Before we dive in, let's learn a little bit more about David. When you know more about him, you'll understand why he is such a big advocate for the utilization of LVTs in paraprofessionals. David is a man of many firsts. He is the first licensed veterinary technician to serve on the TVMA Board of Directors and to chair a TVMA committee. He also earned the 2019 TVMA LVT of the Year Award. It's a lot. And then his full-time job is an associate professor at Lone Star College Tomball's Tomball's Veterinary Technology Program, allowing him to come full circle. You see, he went to school there, but he didn't always know he wanted to be an LVT. I grew up in a small town and I'd always wanted to go to vet school and uh, had kind of just wanted to go to Texas A&M like most kids do. And then um, I got into high school and then my aunt actually went through the program here at Lone Star College Tomball and she invited me down. I thought I thought I would I thought this is what I wanted to do. So she invited me down to come come to Gulf Coast Veterinary Surgery and observe um, the, the clinic there. And once I got there, I, I figured out that this is what I wanted to do. So when I saw surgeries, I saw arthroscopy, I saw all the cool things that they did in the clinic, I knew that I wanted to be on the hands-on side of it and the patient care part. So then I enrolled here at uh, Lone Star College and completed my education. Worked at Gulf Coast for a, uh, a, a few years after um, graduating, and then I went to uh, Texas A&M and worked in anesthesia, orthopedics, and rehabilitation there, and then um, um, discovered the need for licensed veterinary technicians. There was a shortage in Texas, so that's how I got involved in education. I started at uh, Blinn College. I helped found the program there before um, coming here to Lone Star College. And why do you find the work you do rewarding? I think as an educator, it's always nice to see the time you put in. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, um, you're not in the spotlight, which is okay. You, you teach students and you help make a difference in the profession and watching students learn and dealing with them every day and going from a first year student that knows absolutely nothing about animals. They know they have a passion for it. And then when they come out to be a licensed professional and they go to work in a practice and the, the veterinarians that employ them when they, when they make comments about um, how satisfied and how happy they are with the graduate, that's kind of why we do this. It's a, um, a lot of people like in this, in this profession, um, in the education, it is, there's something different every day that you deal with or a challenge that comes up and you have to, you have to stay fresh. You have to stay up to date on the information that you're teaching students. So it's a, it's a challenge to do that. So, um, I enjoy the challenge and that's kind of why I'm, um, 
um, happily involved in veterinary technician education. So every day is a little bit different. Every day. It's just like a clinic. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get when you come to work. Yeah. And why, this is the big question, why are LVTs important to the profession? There's so many things that I think that a, uh, an LVT can do to help with, um, to help about with, with everyday tasks in veterinary medicine. There are, um, you know, we, we commonly use the term technician to refer to everybody in the practice, and that's not necessarily the case. I think with the with a licensed veterinary technician, there's more leverage for a veterinarian to utilize them to do different tasks um, that are more appropriate for the scope of practice. And it allows the veterinarian, and for, for, for things like in a clinic, if you think about a veterinarian, a veterinarian putting in a catheter who's putting in the catheter in a patient for surgery, that's not a good utilization of their time. They need to do things that are dedicated tasks for veterinarians. So if they leverage that task to a licensed veterinary technician or even the supervision of that task, then they're free to do the diagnosis, the treatment, and prescriptions. That, that's basically the three main aspects of their job. So it helps with revenue. It helps with uh, burnout. And, and people don't see this aspect either where they actually, um, when you utilize your office staff, there's more loyalty. There's, more uh, there's, there's better retention. So it actually, it actually saves you money and helps you make money. Well, there you go. Um, so why, why wouldn't anyone utilize LVTs in that case? That's a good question. <laughs> um, and so you mentioned that it also enhances the well-being of veterinarians. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think in a practice, if a veterinarian is able to delegate tasks, they don't have to maintain the responsibility for the entire practice. If they, if they use their technicians, if they use licensed veterinary technicians correctly, like we mentioned before, they are increasing their revenue. There's studies that AVMA has done that show the value of licensed veterinary technician. And all it is is simply, um, uh, it's related to the, the cost of the, like the hourly um, worth of what a veterinarian's worth and what an LVT's worth. So if the, if the, like we said, if the DVM's doing the task of an LVT, then it's actually, it's actually costing them money and not saving them money. But the other thing it does too, as well, is that I know that in, uh, um, I've heard from several practitioners that are out in West Texas, out in rural areas, that they have a hard time finding associate veterinarians. They kind of changed the scope of their practice and they've gone to um, hiring more LVTs to staff their practice with and delegating their tasks and their, their, their well-being is much easier. They're, they're, um, there is the revenue in practice, which also helps, but also the delegation of tasks. Mm -hmm. um, uh, utilizing LVTs to, to use their training um, also helps with the retention and the loyalty, so you're not helping with the turnover. So there's so many things, especially with um, suicide being an issue in veterinary medicine, that the stress that a veterinarian has to endure every day, if they learn to use their staff correctly, utilize and delegate, and allow the LVTs to supervise some of the tasks that the DVM, it does improve their well-being, and I think it helps with a better work-life balance. And LVTs can do a lot of what veterinarians do. What, what can't an LVT do? Correct. So an LVT basically can't diagnose, they can't do surgery, and they can't prescribe. There's one more task. They can't really um, uh, extract teeth with the use of dental elevators as well, too. It has to do with dentistry. But there's so many areas, I think, that um, in the future that 
one of the things we're working with TVMA too is to work with all of the committees, with bovine, with equine, with shelter medicine, with all of those to develop a better scope of practice for licensed veterinary technicians to allow us to do more things. Mm -hmm. I know in food animal in particular, there are things like dehorning that are um, livestock management practices. They're accepted for those. To, so I think there's there's more ways that they can use those as use LVTs, especially in rural areas to help expand the reach of veterinarians to keep those things, keep those, those, um, those tasks like we talked about, about dehorning. And there's also vaccinations with um, valid client patient relationships that possibly an LVT could go out and do a farm call uh, with, again, with a valid client patient relationship, but it'll help extend the arm of the veterinarian in these rural areas where they just need help. And clients want that. It provides the clients an affordable option, but it also keeps that under the scope of of veterinary practice. And I think that that's a very much needed discussion in this industry as to how to better utilize and leverage licensed veterinary technicians. Mm -hmm. LVTs are definitely experiencing appreciation for their work. An official resolution was passed last year during the 86th legislative session, naming the third full week in October as Veterinary Technician Week. It helps celebrate the veterinary paraprofessional. And here's what it meant to David. I think it's I think it's a culmination of many things. I know in 2015 when we we moved from a registered veterinary technician, which was a voluntary status, and then we went to licensed veterinary technicians. So now LVTs are overseeing their uh, their supervision is by the Texas Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners. So we're licensed by the same entity that licensed veterinarians. So mm -hmm. uh, kind of steps up our game a little bit. And then just just to see these different things occur because of that. Uh, um, TVMA membership occurred shortly thereafter. Uh, uh, the, the board of director position for an LVT was developed. Um, LVTs actually chair um, committees on TVMA now. We have a we've had a seat at the table before, but now it's just an officially recognized position that we have more of a uh, more input, more of a kind of a stake in the game, and we're we're willing to accept more responsibility and do things. So this this recognition is just another one in the in the in the um, in, in the past few years that have, have been kind of a um, kind of a sliding scale. We're, we're on an upward trend, uh, up, upward trend. So it's kind of, it's pretty cool to see that it's taken a while to get it done, but um, it's nice to have that recognition. Yeah, I know it can be a slow process, but slowly, slowly, but surely um, mm -hmm. you get there. So, and how do people celebrate that week? Is there anything that LVTs do or pet owners or veterinarians or clinics? How do they, celebrated anything that comes to mind yeah it kind of depends on the clinic but it's it's neat that that um, um it's it's a very publicized event when it occurs in a clinic and you'll have clients that actually bring in um gifts or treats or things for technicians in a clinic and it just it just reminds you of the role that they play in a clinic and the impact they have on clients but uh, a lot of veterinarians will purchase gifts for the staff they're recognized that week they'll provide them lunch i mean it's almost like uh um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a holiday. There's like food every day and cakes and cookies. And it's a, it's a week long celebration of, of hospital staff. So it kind of varies by the clinic, but it's pretty nice. Some, yeah. Some clinics will give jackets and cups and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, it can be a big deal. Yeah. But sometimes it's just as much as a thank you, which is, which is enough for the recognition. Right. Yeah. Have you heard any stories from fellow LVTs about like, oh, that week was special because you know, just getting that one thank you meant so much to me. Like any stories that stand out to you? 
Yeah, a, a lot of them. It's always cool to see when clients recognize, um, you know, they, they make an effort to come in and individually thank the, the technicians that they've worked with. So those are always cool. And you, you'll see stuff about social media posts from clinics thanking their staff. And there's a bunch of pictures and they get shirts and different things. So, but to me, the ones that are really cool, and I know in my career, I've had some um, pretty special clients that I've been able to work with and that recognition from those guys where you realize you realize the difference and the impact that you make on a, on a personal level. That's always nice to have. And sometimes it's interesting when you're just like, well, I'm just doing my job. I didn't even think that I would be getting recognition. Like, I wonder if you felt that about when you received your LVT of the year award. I, I know some people who receive awards that are just like, this is my passion. This is my job. Um, and, but it always feels good when someone notices you. Oh, it's, it's, it's always an honor. Any, any time, any kind of recognition, especially like in my case, I'm, I've been fortunate. I've, I've won it twice now, but that's just a, that's just a, you know, that's just the people I work with. That's what I've been. That's probably the best thing with me about, I've been blessed to work with some, some pretty talented and, and pretty special individuals in my career and, um, 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 their leadership and their influence and things have guided me in my profession. But it is, it is when you, when you get that one-on-one -on -one relationship with a client, uh, when I worked at the vet school, I did rehabilitation and we had dogs that came in for, they'd have knee issues and they, they come in for the same thing every week. And you can only talk to a client about their dog for so long before you, you got to find something else to talk about. Yeah. And one, one patient in particular, they brought their dog in for, for rehab to come in to do the aquatic treadmill. Well, their dog, this, this dog, this particular dog, her name was Cayenne. She, she sat next to um, her owner when he was having treatment for pancreatic cancer. And that was like kind of what kept him alive was yeah. um, the, the dogs and his cats that were there. And, and you, you really learn about the, the human animal bond in those cases. And we talked about his treatment, his survival. Um, the guy was a character. He was, he was just hilarious to talk to. And it was a, that was like an appointment that you look forward to. I look forward to every Wednesday when they came in they drove from Tomball to college station to come out for treatment. But, you know, those people now are friends. We, we keep in touch. They've, um, the owner since passed away. He, he, um, did pass away from pancreatic cancer, but you learn about that bond and those people, um, you know, those, those connections are, that's why we're here. It's, we, we help animals, but the animals help people and, and to have those relationships, that's what we look for. Wow. Yeah. And that really does show the, the power of the human animal bond and how they, how he, it sounds like the dog kept his spirits up. Um, mm -hmm. now I'm just curious what happened to his dog after he passed. She lived a long, healthy life and his, his wife, um, she ended up having, uh, she ended up passing away from bladder cancer. So, oh. um, kind of, kind of ironic there as well, I guess too, in some ways, but she lived, she lived another, about I want to say about five years after he did. So, um, she recovered, she recovered well from her orthopedic injuries and just kind of kept on clicking. Wow. So why do you think it's important for LVTs to be involved in organized veterinary medicine? Well, I think for some of the things that we've, we've just talked about, about the discussions that occur about um, utilizing veterinary technicians in practice. I know a big hot topic right now in, 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 in Texas is the, the nomenclature used for um, uh, professionals in a practice. So being involved in organized medicine, you know, even if you're just a member, it's a number and that helps that counts, but 
with that membership, you have the opportunities to serve on committees. You have the opportunities to provide input to TVMA for a lot of these legislative issues that come up that directly, directly affect licensed veterinary technicians and DVMs. And I know that I've participated in the political advocacy, advocacy school with, uh, that Elizabeth held uh, with VPAC, the Veterinary Political Action Committee. I've gone to the Capitol. I've lobbied on behalf of TVMA and LVT bills as well. Um, um, and and, and as, as a member and serving on committees and even, you know, the opportunity to serve on the board of directors that, that's coming up, um, you have a direct line of input into your profession. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you, you've got the major stakeholders of the profession in the equine industry, the bovine industry, uh, shelter medicine, even the new one, the new topic coming up, they're still trying to figure out where to put veterinarians is telemedicine. I think LVTs are going to have a huge role in that before it's all said and done. And having that membership and having those committees and having that board of director representation, we have a seat at the table, we have discussion, our input is valued, and we're actually reached out to for, for, um, for input on those. So if you're, if you're just working in a clinic and you're not a member, you're missing out. Um, that's worth that 40 bucks plus the continuing education. There's also some member benefits that you get with discounts to um, amusement parks and different things. So it's, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. And the, and the nice part is, I think the thing too, is that I think most LVTs, if they'll go to their bosses or their DVMs, most of the DVMs are TVMA members and they understand the value of that membership. Yeah. And then if they ask their boss, their boss would pay for it because they know the value. Yeah. And becoming a member is easy. LVTs just go to our website and it takes less than like two minutes to yeah. join. Yeah, and if they have any questions, they can just call our office. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to go back to a more serious, sobering topic. Um, so you mentioned suicide and veterinary medicine. Um, and I know it's not just specific to just veterinarians. Um, it also has affected LVTs. Is there anything you think that practices or the profession can do to help both veterinarians and LVTs? I do, and I, I think it's 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 a big issue. Like we look at, we talk about that with veterinarians, and you know, veterinarians are pretty pretty committed to the profession with the amount of time of education, the amount of money they spent to get their education. Plus, a lot of it's also their familiar their familiarity with euthanasia. To them, it's a uh, um, it is a it, it's a very necessary part of of the profession, but it's almost like they get a comfort with it knowing that, I mean, it's a painless procedure. So there's some uh, some issues that AVMA has addressed as well with the, the QPR, the question, persuade, and refer training. Um, it's it's really pretty easy to prevent suicide in profession. You just ask someone if they're considering harming themselves and um, persuade them to get help and refer them to where to get the help. That's kind of what the training's for. So yeah. for, for LBTs and paraprofessionals, we can get that training as well so we can help identify those symptoms in veterinarians that we work with because I think I think people don't think about the impact in a veterinary practice if a veterinarian commits suicide as an LVT and a professional we're out of a job um, or we're, you know we miss a colleague that we we very much value and respect and also for for LVTs and paraprofessionals in the practice we don't have the same amount of time and the same amount of money invested in our education. We still have a lot of, a lot of effort there to do that, but yeah. most, most paraprofessionals leave the profession. It's not that they commit suicide. There are, so, there are instances where um, um, suicide is being performed, but 
um, I think with as a whole, as a profession, if we all work together and we learn how to leverage and better utilize our staff, there is better revenue. There's more economical options for clients to be able to pursue veterinary medicine if we do that. It increases the revenue of the practice, but one of the biggest things it does is it helps with that work-life balance because it allows veterinarians to share that workload with other licensed professionals, mm-hmm. but it also shows the, the, the employee, the LVT, their value in a practice because the veterinarian sees them as a licensed professional and is going to utilize them fully. So like we mentioned, that helps with the retention, with the loyalty. They stay in a practice. They're more loyal to the practice. Um, and that, that just helps the overall work-life balance. So I think it's a necessary tool that, that needs to be pursued even more. We need to we need to educate veterinarians, number one, about what a licensed veterinary technician is, how they obtain that licensure. And also we need to review the Practice Act and allow um, licensed professionals like LVTs to be utilized to the fullest to help with this uh, um, work-life balance. And I, I think that that would make a big difference in suicide rates. And I know that there are some TVMA members that do that now mm-hmm. and they're, they happily talk about how they utilize their staff and it's made their work-life balance so much better. Yeah. And work-life balance has just become um, more of a priority recently. It seems like more for the younger generation veterinarians coming out of uh, school. You know, it seems like it's just one of those things that is really important to them and I'm sure LVTs as well. Yeah, it's it's the same with us, you know, with 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 LBTs that that sixty hour work week gets kind of old, and sometimes, you know, and I think most veterinary practices are always short staffed; they never have enough people. Somebody's always on call; you're always getting called into the emergency. So there's some there's some issues there as well. But I think a lot of times, if you're if you're utilized correctly, you're allowed to delegate some tasks that that would make that better as well. Mm-hmm. And. Do you know where people can go if they need help? AVMA has some resources, and uh, TVMA usually encourages people to use those resources as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else you think our listeners should know about LVTs and the importance of them? Anything else you didn't get a chance to share? But I think one of the things, if a, if a client goes into a practice, um, they, they look on the wall, one of the slogans that, one of my friends likes to say she came up with it as like, look for the license. So you look on the wall and you look for the license, you'll see the DVM, but you'll also see the LVTs and practices that hire LVTs practice progressive medicine. So if you're looking at, if you want to know who's working with your pet, you can ask that in a clinic um, and you'll know the, the level of education for that. But um, I think it's also a thing that, that these discussions that we have, it's, um, um, we, we need to get together as a, as a pool, pool of resources. So all of, all of the committees in TVMA um, get together and start to discuss these, um, these uh, options that we have for the Practice Act to help make, make everybody's life better. Better revenue, better work-life balance, better utilization. That's going to involve, like I said before, the bovine committee, the equine committee, the, the um, um, shelter committee. There's so many committees and, TVMA that can get together and discuss these things so that we can take it to the the state board or the legislative action if needed to open the practice act to make things better for veterinarians, but also make, um, I think there's some big options that can be discussed to make um, uh, veterinary care more accessible to these rural veterinary um, areas, these rural practices and help out, help out the profession. 
Well, there you have it. Unicorns are real. Well, not in animal form, unless you count a narwhal. If you don't know what a narwhal is, please look it up, spelled N-A-R-W-H-A-L. Anyway, they exist in human form, in licensed veterinary technicians. And if David Sessom didn't convince you to either hire LVTs for your practice or even become an LVT, I don't know who will. If you'd like to learn more about David, his career path, and the importance of utilizing LVTs in your practice, you can read a feature article about him in the August 2019 issue of the Texas Veterinarian. Now, if you're an LVT listening and you aren't a member of TVMA, please join today. And if you're a veterinarian who works alongside LVTs, consider investing in TVMA membership for them. Just visit tvma.org. Contact information for our membership manager, Donna Eberhardt, will be in the show notes. On the next episode of Veterinary Vitals, you'll hear from a veterinarian who didn't always feel like she belonged in private practice. As much as I loved practice and I loved my patients and my clients, I, I kind of felt like I didn't really quack like the other ducks. That was Dr. Gail Millard. You'll find out where she felt like she truly belonged in veterinary medicine on the next episode. For now, please subscribe to the podcast, rate the show, and write a review. That's how more veterinary professionals will find out about the show. Thank you for tuning in to Veterinary Vitals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein from TVMA. Thank you.